If you remember when video stores were a thing, boy, have we got a show for you. Digital killed the video store. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener. Welcome to the podcast. Let me ask you this. Do you remember video stores? Were those a thing when you were growing up, when you were living your life back in the 80s and 90s? And well, part of the aughts, I guess. Uh, That's the timeline. Uh, For a good 30, 40 years, they were fixtures across the landscape in every strip mall. uh, You could get them in grocery stores. You could get them in liquor stores, convenience stores. You just rent movies. That's what we did. These little video cassettes that uh, you put in a machine and then played the movie. That's how we did it back in the day. Uh, the Jetsons' future of streaming and on-demand video, uh, I mean, that's come to pass, and now video stores are just dead. They, they littered the landscape with their empty carcasses, and uh, they are now just a faded memory. That's kind of what the gist is of the show. Used to be mom pops. You'd find your movie, you'd do your thing, you'd, you know, enjoy something fresh and new. And then Blockbuster came along and sucked all the joy out of the room and made that the thing. And then... They finally just died a hard, hard death when they didn't get on board with the new technology. That's the gist of the show. I know it's exciting. You'll enjoy it, I swear. Uh, you know, send us an email to magnificenthuge.gmail.com if you care about video stores, if you have any anecdotes or whatever. You know, if you agree or disagree with us, you know, it's good. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're also at maghuge.com. I mean, all those things, you know. You know the drill. So uh, sit back, enjoy a show, where we ponder the fates of many a video store that no longer exists. Uh, just got to tell miss them mom and pop shops, man. They just had a weird smell. Uh, they were never organized. Uh, well, we'll get into it. You'll, it's a nostalgia trip to end all nostalgia trips this one. Can't believe we've been this long without doing a show about it. So uh, have fun. We'll catch you on the flippy flappy. Goodbye. And we're back. Welcome to the show. I back of the Huge Podcast. Hello. <laughs> this is Chris. Who am I talking to today? Who's that over there? This is Eric. I am hey, Eric. Eric. <laughs> and I have a stuffy nose. I cannot talk. Uh, my nose stuff. I, I, I don't want to play this. <laughs> I don't want to play this game, but I'm Brian. Hey. No, this is Brian. Hey. Can you imagine hey, people thinking they just signed up for an hour of that shit? That yeah. would be... What's that's the Actually, there's one guy signed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's they made one, it past Chris. <laughs> there's one guy that's, at home going, wait a minute, I thought I'd found my people. Wait. Yeah. That's like the weed out process. We don't want you unless you stick around. It's like the kids in the hall. Nobody likes us. Everybody hates us. Might as well just eat worms. Anyway, welcome to the show. How the hell are you fellas today? Good. Glad to hear it. Same. <laughs> uh i'm still reeling from the marvel phase four uh wounding that we took last week yeah I just, that was that I, was rough man and then i and then right after we closed that program i saw the the trailer for ant-man and wasp quantum mania 
where Kang is like mm-hmm. featured heavily, and I'm like, there's just nothing about that that makes me want to see this movie at <laughs> all. And so, uh, I really felt for it. So, yeah. Well, that's anyway. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like you know, sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner and like stuffing yourself silly, and then being told someone ordered pizza. It's mm-hmm. it's too much. It, yeah. It, Except I think it's having like, now consumed all of Phase Four or yeah. you know, most all of Phase Four, I'm like. Yeah, I could go a couple of years without seeing another superhero film. Yeah, well, really, that's just again. Eric yeah. binged Phase Four in like <laughs> a, the, the, a week, a week and span a half. of a month. Yeah, a week, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas Brian and I had anyway. had the two years to do it. Anyway, listen to that show; it's all kinds of fun. Uh, and then yeah. this one's a totally different deal, uh, set in the Wayback Machine to when video stores were a thing. You can follow that uh, in the notes and stuff. But uh, first, I recommend we talk some fresh shit. <laughs> This shit is fresh! I've got a show that I've been watching that I'd like really? to recommend. A television uh, show? Yeah. It's okay. it, it's one I wouldn't have watched, but uh boy, Jeremy Renner really went above and beyond to get my attention in the last week or two. <laughs> so you think Breaking 30 Bones was just like a publicity stunt to get you to well, watch his show? Oh, that's how Eric's attention is peaked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. it, yeah. all I'm saying is it worked because I watched okay. Mayor of Kingstown and okay. it's it's a heavy-duty show. It's, um, so far, pretty good. I okay. It's it's uh, these brothers who, uh, they're lawyers in, in a city called Kingstown that has six prisons like i think a county and a federal you know pr- all, all these prisons in this one town and mm-hmm. they basically maintain order by you know cutting deals and doing like dirty shit you know helping them deal drugs it's it's like very sort of yeah it's crime but okay it's but it, yeah it, 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 it's it's very uh, sons of anarchy level uh storytelling and uh, yeah jeremy I, renner is the main guy trying to keep everybody from killing everybody else and is he good like like is he is he renner-esque in this one yeah yeah very renner-esque it's a good choice of vehicles for him okay. um ain't no dummy there is a there is a, a scene in the first episode uh like his brother gets killed they they the cops track down the killer and Jeremy Renner is like, I, I, I want, I need to go in there and you know kill him. And the, the cop on site is like, you can't do that. He's, if I don't do this, he's going to spend the rest of you know his life with his feet kicked up in prison. He says, I guarantee you, if he's sitting on that couch alone, he won't get up. <laughs> so basically, the cops put together the whole thing of how they're going to kill this guy, and it is so dark. It is so fucking great, though. Is it? Is it one or two seasons? This show, I can't remember. Uh, two seasons. Okay. I'd be interested to hear how they would do a third, of course. Yeah. Um, Con- considering, yeah, that uh, Renner is like a half yeah. metal skeleton now or whatever. He's a Terminator, yeah. basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're not okay. going to see him for years and years and years. And then he's going to turn up in like some, I, I think like the, the future Quentin Tarantino is going to cast him as like the gruff old guy. He'll just show up like Robert Forrester. Yeah, and you'd be like, "Oh, I remember him. He's awesome." Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll be in like when Tarantino finally makes that tenth movie that he keeps promising everybody, which he'll never make. <laughs> he's never gonna make. He's it. never That's gonna, gonna make be the it. gag. Yeah. He's just gonna never make the tenth movie yeah. and wah, drag it out. Wah. Okay. Yeah, if he has a sense of humor. He'll make a kids movie. That's all I can say. Yeah, 
No, he should he should direct Avatar four. I mean, <laughs> why not? I mean, <laughs> and take thirteen years to do it. It's. Uh, did you guys see that? Like Avatar two is basically crested two billion dollars worldwide, which means James Cameron yeah. is now going to fulfill his prophecy of giving us ten more or whatever. I mean, it's just, just stop, just stop. I mean, I know Eric and I haven't seen is, it, but you know, you know. Yeah, all you have to do is know how to sell it to China. Apparently, I guess I mean, that's it. That's okay. That's, that's basically how you can make shit now. Uh, but two billion dollars—that's just uh, no accounting yeah. for taste. No accounting for taste. Did you sat through yeah. the whole thing, right, Brian? Like you, you were awake through the entire oh, yeah. four yeah, hours I mean, or whatever. You heard, you heard my review. Yeah. Okay. Because um, <laughs> most people I talk uh, to have- actually, if you didn't hear my review, subscribe to the podcast and go listen yeah. a couple a couple episodes ago. But yeah, um. Re- really well made dumbass movies. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, like that's like every James Cameron movie, more or less. Yeah. After like uh, Aliens, let's be real. Yeah, <laughs> Two Lies like, is the one exception. I think that was a good one, but uh, that one actually though. there was yeah. there was a little less, I guess, sci fi CGI going on. So maybe yeah. that's why I could pay attention to it. I more. Get, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so. Uh, Lords of Kingtown or whatever. What is the name of this thing again, Eric? Mayor of Kingstown. Uh, Mayor, Mayor, of Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown. Okay. What is that? Where do you find that? That is on the Paramount Plus, which I uh, got a subscription to again because I have been also cracking out on Star Trek Voyager. I knew uh, it. Mm, I've okay. been forcing myself. I, I'm gonna, I, I was like, I did not like Voyager. I, I watched the first year when it was on, and I went, oh, this is terrible, and I stopped. Now That's that their- I'm... That's now that Lost I'm watching in space again, one, right? though. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. that's when I was in Boston, All right. uh, and yeah, had other things to do anyway. But <laughs> I, I, I'm watching it now, and I'm like, oh, it got better. It got a lot very dark, in fact. Yeah, you know, Voyager got a bum rap. It, it was the point at which it was kind of like Marvel's Phase Four, right? Like there was too much Star Trek. We had just yeah. gotten done with Next Generation, and we were still doing Deep Space Nine, and now there were two shows on at the same time. I actually made a point of when it when it aired, I videotaped Voyager from episode one each week throughout the entire series. So I was I was in for it. And you yeah. know what? It's I mean, it's it's Star Trek, right? In the end it didn't it didn't compare well to Next Generation, but I think it is a good Star Trek show and by putting it in the Delta Quadrant they gave themselves some some latitude, you know, some room to breathe to get away from the continuity and the established races, which was good. But was I'm Jan- watching it now, and I'm like, there's there, like I said, it's 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 not just dark; it's like well thought out sci-fi, and that's the thing I missed. Like, um, like you know, Tuvix is really about uh, uh, transporter capital punishment, right? You accidentally right. make a person, and then it's like, well, we figured out how to get our two people back that formed you. Like yeah, but you're gonna have to kill me to do it. Like, yep, yep, we're gonna have to kill you to do it. So <laughs> how does how does Janeway rank along the the other captains? Uh, well, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm always that. you know like a, a a Ben Cisco fan, but I think she's great. I think she's very she's Would actually you, very like, William Shatner like okay. in her um, intensity, yeah. which I like. Would you rate her like near the top of the the Trek captains or middle of the pack? I mean. Like, what's your I thoughts? would, I would, 
that's the thing. I would say, yeah, towards the top, it's tough to pick a favorite because I think all four of the real captains are, are just neck and neck <laughs> the and neck and captains. neck. The real yeah, captains. I, yeah. I don't, I don't uh, give Archer much slack, but there again, he was in a shit show and uh, it got better, kind of. But it's. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and let's see, the movie. The, the the new Star Treks, the the Christopher Pike ones, that that was just a joke, and womp womp. yeah, okay, yeah. the The thing about Voyager, you know, but it's all of Star Trek did this. Um, Voyager was a major contributor to the nerfing of the Borg, right? Yeah. Like the Borg were this unstoppable, just you know, wall of pain, and Voyager. <laughs> Like, especially in the in the second half of the series, you know, the fact that the Voyager survives at all anywhere near the Borg is, you know, just makes them less of a threat, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, did, did you, I mean, they do try to write a reason for it, but it's... Did you... Uh, it it never sat right Did you me. create that phrase on your own, Brian? The nerfing of the Borg? Because that's, oh, no, that's genius. Is that a thing? N- nerfing is a, is, is a total gamer thing, isn't it? I know it. I can't remember where it comes yeah, from. Yeah, it's a I've gamer thing. Okay. That's I've, why Chris doesn't know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, video games. I mean, I know what Nerf is, and I can pretty much extrapolate what it is leading to. <laughs> but it's just a phrase I've never heard. The nerfing of the Borg. That's a verb. That would be a great yeah, like never, album album title for someone. <laughs> it's you, like the nerfing you've never of heard the Borg. The, the verb form of Nerf is what you're saying. Yeah, nerfing is basically taking all of the oomph out of something and reducing the power level. Um, you know, if yeah, you yeah. nerfed a character in a game, it used okay. to, to be stronger and now it's not. Gotcha. But I think for that, we can blame First Contact because they decided to make that, let the Borg have a character. And if you yeah, have a yep, human-like yep. character, then that means you can fuck with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. They can, you can now give them all the motivations that make sense to an audience and don't <laughs> necessarily make sense to a fucking cybernetic race. Well, you know, say what you will, but man. I look over that, like New Berlin, the moons of Tycho, where the, where the fuck Riker says in his little speech about the moon. It just kills me every time. <laughs> I, I hate that movie so much. Anyway, well, sorry. Hey, look, all I can say, Chris, is I went to Zephram Cochran High School. Ah, uh, eat a dick. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for um, the kind words, Eric. Thanks for the good thoughts. <laughs> I can go, I think. Okay. Um, so I watched a, what is probably the best children's movie I have seen ever in years and years. Really? Uh, I watched Paddington. Yeah, I keep, the great? I keep Paddington circling film. that, and I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I hear Paddington oh, God, Two is even that. better, but take that it, for what it supposedly. Will. Yeah. But I that one's not on streaming anymore. But Paddington One is on Netflix right now. Yeah, and I mean it is just the most charming thing. It is, uh, it's got a clever script. It's got imaginative design. The transitions are are really clever. And, yeah, it just... It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes for a reason. Yeah. Right? It's it's just mm-hmm. the nice... Uh, I, I don't know how to 
I, it, it has no treacle to it necessarily. It's just it a doesn't pleasant commit, movie. It, it doesn't commit the sins of Barney, which is to basically treat children like children. Because that's what makes it so horrible to watch those <laughs> movies. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it on the Netflix, and, and I've and I've like I said, I've circled it, but it's just you know, kids' movies aren't like the top of my list of viewing, <laughs> so it's it's always gets pushed and pushed and pushed. So no, but but in a world where like everything is coming out is just like stress and depression and yeah. apocalypse and death and everything sucks. It's nice to just have a movie that's like, or what if we all just weren't dicks? Yeah. You know? Well, isn't uh, isn't uh, what's his face Q from the the Craig Bond films? Yeah, ben Weishaw, ben Weishaw yeah, is is the voice is, okay. is the voice in Paddington replacing Colin Firth, who who was supposed to be it, but quit because he realized he was just the wrong voice for the character. Um, nice, yeah. Peter Capaldi's in this. Nicole Kidman is our is our villain yeah. character. Yeah, I'm looking at the and, the cast list. It's pretty pretty good. So, fun fact. The Ukrainian dub of Paddington. Paddington is voiced by Zelensky. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, his uh, his his TV show is on Netflix right now as well. If you really want to <laughs> stab your heart out with a knife, uh, you can watch that too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to Paddington too now. But I'm gonna wait for it to show up on a streaming service because it was on HBO like a couple months ago, and now it's not. So it'll come back to something sometime, and I'll I'll grab it when it happens. Yeah. But okay, if you've if you've got kids and they haven't seen this, you really have no excuse. Yeah. This is better than everything that's come out in the last 10 years that has been aimed at your kids. Um, and if you just want to like watch a pleasant movie without like all the stress of the modern life, you could do a hell of a lot worse. Uh, highly recommended. Go watch it. I have a theory I, that yeah. uh, you, you made me think of children's movies are the way they are. And, you know, like give children's movies a bad rap because they're written by adults who are very cynical and depressed and beaten down and know like how shitty life is. And so they assume that the way you write for children is just to, you know, just do the antithesis of that. It's like there's nothing else in life that's actually good. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to just and, write for children in this yeah. way that makes everyone cringe. Unless you're rolled doll. And you just write children's books because you don't like children, because <laughs> yeah, that's you just, just give funny. The fuck up, right? Yeah, because it's just. Funny. I think in this case, this was written by somebody who like understands, you know, that right? yeah. life is. It, it's written by someone who doesn't have like my manic depresso tendencies. So. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I view children's movies as having been destroyed by the one-two punch of the Robin Williams genie in Aladdin Ugh. and Shrek. Yeah. Uh, like those two movies back to back took children's entertainment in a, into a very dark place from which we have not escaped. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm interested to hear if and when you two watch that Matilda musical. If that ever happens, I mean, you need to let me know. Cause... I saw the actual stage production oh, of the musical, okay. which was a really cool stage production. I don't feel a need to watch the movie version of that, okay. so I'm not right. in a hurry. I did, oh, yeah. did you watch it? Is that part of your fresh shit? Oh no, I've just seen the trailer with all the frenetic. Okay. Dancing and like Hamilton, like weird pseudo rap, whatever. I mean, it's just, it looks weird, is all, is all I can say. So I was just curious if you'd seen it. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I brought I brought the Broadway Touring Company to the Fresh Shit sometime, like a year or two ago. Yeah. So the other thing I'm bringing to the Fresh Shit this week is I never brought it uh, to the show, but I did over the holiday break. I did go see The Fablemans. I still haven't seen that. Uh, which is, the it's being advertised as Steven Spielberg's version of Cinema Paradiso or... Yeah. Whatever Empire of Light, you know, it's it's like Steven Spielberg falls in love with the movies. Is how it's being marketed. Yeah, it's really not that. It it is Spielberg's autobiography, but he's wink wink. No, it's not. Ha ha. They're the fable men's mm-hmm. right. But it's totally Steven Spielberg's autobiography movie. And um, is it set in Scottsdale? It does spend some time in Scottsdale. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um. You know, it, yeah, the family with Ben Fableman, who is clearly Steven Spielberg, is is a Jewish family that moves from all the cities that Spielberg lived in, mm-hmm. and it's really about him. You know, sort of at the end of his high school career, he was interested in in film and was experimenting with cameras and doing stuff with his buddies and making little, you know, eight millimeter movies, but. It's really about his family, and it's really about his mom, who is Michelle Williams is playing the mom, and she's married to the Riddler, so Paul Dano is his dad. <laughs> yeah, he's now the Riddler. And yeah. um, Not the Riddler in this, right? He's not Riddler. Not, not in that, this, wouldn't no. That be but something. It's, it's really hard not to just see Riddler dad. When Paul Dano's on the screen, it's like, <laughs> Riddler dad! so it's the, it's the Riddler dad, yeah, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, you know, and he's like this computer engineer and that's why the family keeps moving is he keeps getting these jobs, you know, for like IBM and, and, you know, Ampex or whatever. Um, and he's got a buddy who is played by Seth Rogen, who is easily doing the best, at least the best dramatic work of his career. Seth Rogen is actually good in the Fablemans. Um, but really it's about getting older and your dreams you know be getting left behind and and being sad and family dynamics Aww. and people don't like jews uh <laughs> i mean but is it good good though because honestly post saving private ryan i don't think i've seen a spielberg movie that i actually liked that much you know what i mean it is not a grand sweeping spielbergian movie it's okay. just a drama about a family right. and as that it's pretty damn good like i say michelle williams probably gets an academy award nomination for this oh, i think that's something um she she does great work in this um and and she her character gets put through the damn ringer um the only other fun bit and a bit of a spoiler but not much of one uh you know spielberg uh has his cinematic idols and you know the movie is starts out being framed around him being taken to see the greatest show on earth and seeing a train wreck scene in that and that that's sort of what sparks his his interest in cinema and the language of cinema but at 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 the end of the movie our our character gets to meet John Ford Oof. and um John Ford is a, played in a cameo by actual director David Lynch <laughs> Oh wow. my god. Just, that's the Yeah, that's which kind is of which is that's a fun little cameo. But anyway. <laughs> I just now I'm picturing John Ford wanting to go get a milkshake somewhere. Oh god. 
I mean, picture John Ford as as the kind of jaded asshole David Lynch might be cast to play. Yeah. All right. Anyway, The Fablemans, I would say, you know what? Check that one out when it comes to whatever services you subscribe to because it's it's not a bad movie, but it's not like an ooh, go to the theater and watch it movie either. It's right. just a it's just a family drama. Okay. There's just too much but, cringe involved with anything Spielberg for me. I it's like even when he's good, I go, yeah, yeah, but I yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what what to say. I think Spielberg sure, dude, you get to make whatever movie you damn well want at this point. Right, right? Right. He's he's done his time. So <sighs> if he wants to make the Fablemans, go for it. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, that that's the fresh shit for you this for me this week. What do you got, Chris? Uh I do have an interesting one that I sort of sidestepped into because uh, we recently watched Glass Onion and did a whole show about that, and I still love Glass Onion. I've seen it a couple times since then. But then all of these things that keep cropping up around Glass Onion. Uh, one of them is like the movies that influenced it, and one of them is one I had not ever heard of. I'm sorry to say, and it's and I've corrected that now, but it was one from 1973 called The Last of Sheila that Ryan Johnson used as the framework for Glass Onion, and it stars uh, Richard Benjamin, Diane Cannon, James Coburn, James Mason, Ian McShane, Raquel Welch, and Joan Hackett. You probably won't know Joan Hackett. She did a bunch of character stuff, but she was most notable for me from starring with James Garner and Support Your Local Sheriff. Um, but they basically, it's about a group of friends that meet up in the, the Mediterranean, like somewhere off the coast of France or something, with uh, James Coburn, who's like a producer. And a year prior, his wife got run over uh, after a party and it got covered up and he's looking to take vengeance and so basically he's got this parlor game where he invites all his friends into the yacht and then it goes from there to discover who killed his wife uh, and then people start dying etc but it was written by Anthony Perkins Norman Bates from Psycho and Stephen Sondheim who apparently would put on these types of parties with their friends in real life. And someone said, you should, Wait, you should make a what? movie. Yeah. And that's why Sondheim, oh that's why Sondheim has the cameo in glass onion, which is totally like, what? So it's like Ryan Johnson doing these like weird layers upon layers, like a fucking onion. Uh, and then it's directed by Herbert Ross, who I guess his biggest film is probably footloose. Uh, but He's just done a bunch of stuff that you know, but just don't ever think about. But like Good Gar- Goodbye Girl, Pennies from Heaven, Footloose, Steel Magnolias. Uh, so it's just this weird, like who done it kind of a thing, and it's it's kind of fun. Uh, it's a little bit like creepy, uh, but everybody's playing to type. But Diane Cannon, her character is very much the Kate Hudson character from Glass Onion. I mean, it's almost to a T. <laughs> uh, so you can see where all of the influences are sort of filtering into Ryan Johnson. So it's a, it's a nice little oddity if hmm. you like that sort of film history thing. Where like things beget this, beget this, beget this. Uh, so it's fun. Because it's a lot like, you know, uh, Knives Out was very much influenced by movies like Sleuth. Uh, so... That's sort of where sure. he's grabbing things from. But The Last of Sheila, if you can find it, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, Where did you find it? 
uh, I found it's a re- it was a really shitty uh, streaming uh, on some free like channel app on Roku. It was the only place that I could find oh. it with commercials. Okay, uh, but if you can if you Roku can find has, it with Roku has that great title search that will show you like what streaming service the movie yeah. you're looking for is on. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm I'm fucking curious. Yeah, that yeah. all sounds like awesome. yeah. Look look it up. It's fun. Uh, and it's like 1973, so it's like that when they got away from the studio system. So it's all shot on location, and it's really dingy lighting, and <laughs> the sound is terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's just like every early 70s movie just looks like ass. I don't know why they all they, look brown, they right? Yeah, yeah. They all look kind of brown. So that's, every time they do something that's set in the seventies, I'm like, God, you've got to figure out what that film stock was like. Oh Even yeah, if you're doing it digitally, like, yeah. like go make it brown and crappy. That's how you make it look. Period. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's fun. So definitely, definitely watch it if you can. I highly recommend it. Uh, and then the flip side of that, which is also ties into sort of Brian's thing about. Uh, depressing movies uh, on HBO Max they're showing right now the Banshees of Sharon, which is Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson uh, in this set oh, set in yeah. Ir- like Northern Ireland like an island off the coast during the Civil War in like the early 20s and uh, like they just one day Brendan Gleeson's character decides he doesn't want to be friends with Colin Farrell anymore and it starts to sort of uh amusing grumpy old men sort of sitch <laughs> on this Irish Isle, but then it gets really fucking dark and turns into a meditation on how friendships just basically end and mortality and depression and it's just like this typical Irish melancholy through the whole thing that at times is very funny but other times it's like, oh shit these people are fucked up <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, it's dark but it's good dark And at times it almost becomes a weird parable for like COVID because they're on this isolated Irish island. So it's almost like they're in a pod community and they're just all sick of each other. (laughs) But in a very like polite Irish winky wink way, it's just weird. Uh, But the performances are just astonishing. Like Colin Farrell, like who knew he could act 25 years ago? Not me, but he really nails it. Brendan Gleeson is good like he always is. And this is sort of like their follow-up pairing from In Bruges, because it's the same director. And so it's that kind of flavor. So it's just the way a friendship sort of has its ups and downs, and mostly downs and then some ups. And uh, Salty Irishmen being yeah. salty with one another. Kind of. I mean, yes. I wanted to see it just because of In Bruges, yeah. you know, which was genius. It's the same I, flavor. I, yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. two of them together, it's like... Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a Jack Lemon Walter Matthau thing in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping they'd do more of these. Yeah, but it's uh, it definitely starts off light because it's just Colin Farrell going, why the fuck won't you talk to me? It's like, I just don't fucking like you. And that's sort of the interaction. And then by the end of it, like Gleason at one point says, if you fucking talk to me one more time, I'm going to take a pair of shears and I'm going to cut off my finger. And for every time after that, when you talk to me, I'm going to cut off another fucking finger. Does that make it clear enough for you? <laughs> so it's just like, holy shit, is he bluffing? Is he not bluffing? And that's sort of the dynamic. And they just can't leave it alone. So it's, it's a very, very solid character dynamic. And uh, it's a downer of a movie, to be sure. I cutting off fingers. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying. Uh, 
and then it's got uh, Barry, what's his name, Keung, Keung. He was in the Eternals, uh, and some other stuff. He he plays sort of like the dim-witted uh, town village idiot, uh, and he's really good. And then Carrie Conran, I think, is Colin Farrell's sister in this, and she's equally good. And she just basically needs to get the fuck out of insurance. And so it's just like everybody's got their own motivation. But really good, but very much a downer. So be prepared if you, you go into that one. But solid. So that's where I'm going to end it this week. Because, uh, man. All right. This good. A solid downer. It's fucking good. Great. Fucking good. I can't do Irish. Uh, but there you have it. So, yeah. All right. So now. Well, that's, that's the fresh shit then. That's the fresh shit. So now we're going to set the Wayback Machine uh, for any of our younger listeners, millennials or, or younger. It was uh, the best of times. It, it was, was the worst, the worst of, time. of times. We come not to praise video stores, but to bury them. Uh, but yeah, it's basically talking about the lost uh, video store. Like they don't exist anymore, really. They're like automats. Mm-hmm. It's like they used to be all across every city and every country. And now they're gone because digital just basically drove a stake into the heart of physical media. Now, millennials, millennials will remember it, you know, barely kids, kids that were born in like, nah, kids that were born in 1990. They, you know, there was still video stores doing their thing into the really in in the first decade of the 2000s. It's yeah, it was specifically when Netflix started doing right. their thing that the that the writing was really on the wall but but that's the last generation that's going to have any memory of them they'll have a memory of them as children it's it'll be of a DVD store and right. not of a video cassette store but yeah but yeah but just this this idea that there used to be stores that you would go to to buy or rent a physical piece of media uh that you could then watch at home is just like it was like it was like a library on every corner, except yeah, you had to yeah. pay to check out yeah. a book. And it was so ubiquitous. Uh, <laughs> like like it it kind of came along in the late seventies when VHS uh, and Beta were kind of duking it out because video cassette recorders had come into the marketplace. They were still sort of prohibitively expensive, but then by the early eighties, the manufacturers figured out how to make them cheaper. And then by the mid eighties, like everybody had one basically. And then the video well, shop exploded. More, more to the point, they by the early '80s, all the lawsuits had kind of gotten settled around cassette tapes, right. and the this applied to videotape, where it was decided that it wasn't piracy and it was okay to just tape TV shows right. over the air, as long as you didn't sell right, it. or tape music off of the radio or whatever. Right. And so the blank tapes and the ability to time shift. So you got to remember what drove the VCR. And ironically, none of the things that followed the VCR until streaming <laughs> was you could, before that, the shows were on when the stations broadcast them. And if you weren't home and you weren't watching, or if you had to go to the bathroom or you had whatever, you know, Boy Scouts right. or whatever, right. you know, you, you didn't get to see that show. It was on and you either saw it or you didn't. And you were either part of the conversation or you weren't. And what the VCR brought was the ability to say, I can't be home on Friday night because, you know, I'm doing something. But that show that I want to watch, I can tape it and I can watch it later. Wow. And, and that, it was, 
It was that magic year of 1983 when uh, uh, yes. I, I told my parents, Boy Scouts can go get fucked. And then I just didn't have to do it anymore. And I could actually stay at home and watch <laughs> TJ Hooker whenever I wanted. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Well, I yeah. like that, uh, that the, it leads into the whole uh, format war, as they called it, between VHS and Betamax, which is basically JVC yeah. against Sony or somebody. Uh, Betamax, Matt. Betamax was superior. Unfortunately, yeah. it was shorter. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was always trying to convince people of that. If you want it to look good, get the beta. But, right. you know, of course, well, then it didn't matter. I like the fact that the, the porn industry basically dictated the, the win for VHS because they pushed the VHS formatting for all of their output for the home videos. Yeah, and they weren't going to do two. Yeah. That kind of money. So because of the... <laughs> because of Porn always yeah, drives... Yeah. They're the early. They're the ultimate early adopters of every technology, yeah. right? So, so yeah. yeah. So you video so, porn bring yeah. it. Yeah. So you can thank the porn industry for VHS winning. Uh, and then you know by early '80s, they're literally a video store in every fucking strip mall across the nation. Almost it was like little mom and pops. Yeah. And the and that's the thing. Did you guys uh, have VCRs early or did you get them late? Like, do you remember? Uh, Pre Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, like my, going into these. Well, m- yes, my. My dad worked for Motorola, and he made chipsets for a lot of these things. So we got everything kind of early. We had we had cable before everybody because he held a patent on the box. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had a VCR early because God knows why. But yeah, yeah, had him was, way early. Was it one and of those had big- him when? God damn it! Renting something was really fucking expensive. Right? Like they wanted eighty dollars for a you know to rent a movie, and I was like, well, I guess we're never doing that again. Well, yeah, yeah. So. That's 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 the interesting thing, right? Like, I actually don't know how I managed to get a VCR as early as I did because that really my mom was not at all in tune with tech, <laughs> right? So I don't know if that was a me thing or a it was probably a latchkey kid thing. It was probably a mom was busy at nights doing her PhD yeah. and got it for the kids or uh-huh. or some junk. But yeah, we had one at least as early as eighty three. Was it like the big bulky? I, like top load with the push button kachunka chunks. No, no, I don't think we ever had a top loader. Okay. We had a front load. Okay. Um, you know, so we were we were pretty on the cutting edge at that point, but um can can everyone but remember Yeah, once the VCR was in everybody's house, this brought the the movies to market. And I thought the $80 thing was that that was the sale price. Like if you wanted to own Oh, sale was the, much worse. the manufactured version those those movies were damn expensive. Well, yeah, that it was, was like 80, 100 bucks. That was like up through the early 90s. But yeah, like the Well, the thing is early rental wasn't like, you know, it was I'm talking like like 80, 81, they they hadn't quite figured that out yet and it was when it was still like 50 yeah. movies available. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's like I'm saying like it was really obnoxious. Early. Oh yeah, nobody could own movies. That yeah. was insane. Well, that's, I think I, that's actually what caused everyone to end up go going crazy buying VHSs when they could, because it was suddenly like, oh, oh we can do this now. Yeah. Yay! I can I can watch this all the time, and some people actually did. That's so crazy that somebody would actually yeah. watch Footloose so often they burned out the tape. Yeah. So think about that though: eighty bucks and ninety bucks in nineteen eighty one dollars is like at least twice that, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. that's like a hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars in 2023 well, money that was a lot of damn money to own a movie well until somebody figured uh, out that they could uh charge like a membership fee to get the little laminated card and then people could pay the 
like the membership fee to have access well, and then you would pay like the three bucks or whatever for the videotape. That's when like, video stores and, started buying in bulk. Yeah. That's what basically That's a genius business work. model, right? right? Yeah. The film studios are selling to the video stores. They're still selling them for pretty high cost, yeah. but the video store is going to recoup that cost in rentals over the sp- lifespan of the tape and then they'll sell the used tape right. at a discount too. Yeah. So everybody's making like there's like a whole Hand over bunch fist. of new revenue streams Hand showing up for this, for this stuff. It's crazy. But this the pl- proliferation of video stores in the early 80s is just astonishing. I think by like 86 there were like 40,000 stores or something. Uh and that's like double from like 83 and so forth. So it was just this exponential growth. But the 80s was all these mom and pop stores which were always like these dank dingy like gross carpet and like just rows of shelves and most of my in my experience were never organized at all it was like you had the sign for like horror yeah, comedy they were glorious and it was like they were so but awesome. it was so like mix and matched and then like the on top of that it's like depending on which store you went into it's like well are the videotapes on the shelf or do you have to take the empty case up to the counter and then they retrieve it from the back for you and it's like so you mm-hmm. never Basically, knew think yeah. of a liquor store that lost its license yeah that's what a lot of them were like and most of them were next door to liquor stores if my memory is correct no yeah but but they all had they all had the pervert corner oh yeah right yeah. there was like a shitty curtain or swinging doors <laughs> hiding yeah. the shelves for like this this corner where it's like you do the walk of shame to the back to get into where the where the porn movies yeah. are if if you're so bold was, you know we were pretty young and i didn't was, do that it's like the you know, like the fisher king right away that's like the the best representation but, of that on film is the fisher king where it's like they've got the <laughs> the adult section in the back and then you got like <laughs> Jeff Bridges like ordinary peephole. It's a big titty spread chi kind of thing. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. But you always like saw the people going in, and as a kid, you're sort of like, "What's that all about?" Hmm. But yeah, never went in. And you got to figure the owner of the store is a local. He probably knows half the regulars, yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah. he knows who's written what, and he knows who's times. going in the back and getting yeah. the. Point. And he probably doesn't care at all, but he thinks it's funny oh yeah i worked at a video store that had the adult sections i tell you firsthand that is true i i uh, there was a guy (laughs) who would always show up and rent a like normal movie and a porno movie and i'm not sure if it was the kind of thing like when you go to the grocery store and you get gum and condoms (laughs) yeah he would it was like his thing a normal movie another thing and at the store they were always like you got to read, when you're checking people out, you got to read out their titles to yeah, them yeah. so that you know, they know they're not getting the wrong thing. <laughs> That's good and I was like, you got it, chief. And so I would always like, yeah, read out the full thing. Yeah. Back to and, the future and, and every hole filled. Yeah. I, like <laughs> Buttman's Revenge yeah. or whatever. And, yeah. yeah. And then one day the guy just says to me, can you please not read that? And it was, dude, it's my job. Patheticness in his voice yeah. was so intense. I was dude, like, dude, it's my job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was kind of hoping a manager at some point would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing what you told me. Yeah. But Fuck they off. never did because yeah. that's exactly what they wanted me to do. So, well, tell me you didn't want a microphone like at the grocery store. Yeah. Can I get a price check yeah. on ass fuckers 14? Yeah. Well, I think the uh, I, yeah, I think the first video. I, oh, story- oh, and I worked at another one in Boston that had a machine out front where so that like after hours people could rent whatever movies we put in that box for the yeah. night. Yeah. Right. Uh, and there were adult titles in there too. And oh, geez, there were the thing is they they had managed you know there was an age restriction on the account, 
But then kids would show up like trying to check out dirty movies during the day while we're there and not being able to do it and then coming up to me going hey the machine won't work and i'm like why what are you trying to get uh Uh, yeah exactly it works fine you little fucking pervert get out of here (laughs) that was fun well well, i just remember like the heyday in the 80s when it like was still the wild west uh where it was like they didn't have the walls of new releases like blockbuster and hollywood would do later on it wasn't so homogenized, yeah. and it was usually like basically everything was a new release. Yeah, and it was just basically a whole truckload of just B movies in every genre, and just shitty cover art. And you could always tell like the the good movies from the shitty ones because of the way that the the casings were and the cover art and this and that. Uh, and I oh yeah, if they had the big fat thick clamshell casing or yeah, whatever yeah. the the hard they plastic all, that was probably they a bad all sign. sort of had their own look like a warner brothers movie had a very specific right. cover case and yeah mm-hmm. it was that padded soft pillowy kind of one but it had like very specific right uh, uh, uh artwork yeah so it was uh, so all the dirty harrys looked the same yeah and so it was always really fun to go in because it it was just a free-for-all because it was just the new releases were more or less clipped in with everything else. And so if you didn't know what you wanted, you could literally spend like an hour just looking at everything on the shelf before you finally gave up and just snagged something because you were fed up. That's That was the movie-going experience at the video store for most of us, I think. Is if you didn't find what you initially went in for, you were still going to walk out with something. So they were just making tons of right, money. Right, because you put so much effort into getting to the place in the first place, yeah. and you were going to... You had set aside time to watch a movie, so damn it, you're going to watch yeah, something. Yeah. Now, honestly, that experience stays with us today. Folks who haven't been to the video store, you know when you turn on Netflix and you just, yeah. all you do is just click and click and go, this is an overwhelming wall of choices and I can't, I don't care enough about any of them. Yeah, yeah that was a physical experience in the 80s and early 90s or even throughout the 90s. You walk into Blockbuster or your local video store and you're like, I'm going to get a movie. And then you just, like, I you get overwhelmed and stressed. It's like, <laughs> I, remember, I don't really care right, about right, any yeah. of it. That's why the new release wall became, like, everyone's focal point. I think because it narrowed their choices for them. Oh, yeah. But yes. anytime anyone would ask me, so what should I watch? I would, like, aim them at something like, you know, I think at the time my favorite film, still fucking great. I watched it a week ago, Lawrence of Arabia. Right. It's a fucking genius film. And, oh, but that's old, isn't it? It's two like, tapes. What the fuck did you just ask me for? A film or, like, you know, yeah. a, a happening? Come on. It's well, a great film. That's well, old and st- you're being stupid. Yeah. You know, that's when I realized, that is when I realized the human race sucks <laughs> and that we all need to be killed. <laughs> well, I think that's the joy of the- It took you that long to realize yeah. that. I'm, oh, no. I, no, I, no. I question that. I thought it was me all the way up until working at a video store. And then I realized, no, <laughs> oh. no, it's the masses of fucking you. Yeah. That's who it is. Well, I think the, jo- the joy of the <laughs> 80s video store was its Wild Wild Westness because it just, they would play whatever on the, the screens. Like, you could go in and they'd be playing, like, Halloween or- like Rambo. I mean, just it didn't matter. Yeah. It could be violent. It could be like sexy time. It just didn't matter because there were no rules. And then you would enter. Yeah, I remember. I remember being like at a. I don't know if it was a, like a Suncoast or some Sam Goody or something. Yeah. And 
And like there was the the brief scene from Purple Rain where Apollonia gets topless, yeah. and I'm just at the mall, Hello. and I'm like, they can just do that at the yeah. mall. <laughs> so cool. So it was fun. Okay. Now the only downside, yeah, well, they would let they would let me play Raising Arizona in the store. Yes, but I was required to fast forward oh, through. Screw that. Yeah, the sandwich in one, one hand and the, the fucking hand in the other. Yeah, when I worked at Blockbuster, we would play that all the time, but we wouldn't cut it out. And that was the one scene across any movie you'd put in where you'd look up and everybody has just stopped what they're doing and looking at the screen and laughing. <laughs> like every time. <laughs> yeah. It didn't matter. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the 90s when Blockbuster and, and whatnot came in and just obliterated the mom and pops. Blockbuster ruined that because they ended up showing like like commercial reels. Yeah. I think Blockbuster oh, realized that that, that screen has you know like a greater real estate value and so they started producing like you should watch this right now dude or maybe this and dude it, I, I have to imagine that sucked for employees who could no longer actually enjoy I anything i fucking hated it i started working at blockbuster oh, in 1990 yeah, of you're seeing it on a loop yeah. it's it's yeah. like i started there in 1990 when you could still show actual movies and then they started to trickle in the promo videotapes which would be like a 90 minute 2 hour reel of just trailers and stuff that they wanted to push and then by like the mid 90s it was they had partnered with entertainment tonight and it was like the et blockbuster video network and you had like leonard malton and uh mary hartman and all that knuckleheadedness and it was always like all's call it a network yeah and then they would show like move like music videos in between like towards the end of my career with blockbuster i just remember like stuff like quad city djs come on ride the train which is like every hour and i just about blew my fucking <laughs> brains out with a shotgun because it's like <laughs> i can't do this anymore and it's like leonard malton talking about you remember this movie's a classic and it was always like martin and lewis like one of the irma movies irma goes west or abbott and costello it was never anything interesting it was always like the most run of the mill and malton just leonard malton just always was like shut up that's just, I couldn't stand that guy. So that was sort of the end for me because it just became this like homogenous loop of product. It's like, oh, we got 200 copies of Titanic for the back wall, uh, but one copy of Lawrence of Arabia back in their drama somewhere. And so it just became uh, like pushing people to get the most popular thing, as it were. And so it's sort of like when Top Radio, Top 40 Radio took over. It just was the same vibe, and it just killed it for me. Ugh. Basically, anything that is in your drama or comedy or western or any section that has an a not new movie in it, mm -hmm. any rental of that is like icing on the cake. But the new releases have to pay for themselves. Yeah, you 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 buy all of those, and you buy like twenty of one film to make sure that you know everybody's renting. You would end up. I remember we had like two full bookcases full of pretty woman yeah and it was always rented out it's like they definitely made their money back on that investment but yeah it's like if they planned wrong ooh. well but the thing is no they never planned wrong because if there was nothing good that night they will rent whatever is new regardless of what it is yeah as long as it's on the new mm. releases wall. Well, not and only I, that, that just always floored me. Would you have, do you have half breed? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and they would take, give me this, 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 uh, VHS copy for the miniseries half slave, half free. And I'm like, Oh God, you, 
Do you know what you're renting? Yeah. This is, you're, this is, you know, it's like basically roots, but like revised. It's like, uh, it's new. Okay. Here you go. Yeah. Good. Learn something for Christ's sake. Learn something. Well, the, go. the, the genius of it was though, is that you, they would have like a hundred copies of pretty woman or something, but you would track the sales. And then once it started to sort of taper off and you couldn't maintain having a hundred copies of pretty woman, you would start pulling the, the, because every cop, every tape had its own ID number, so you would start pulling the tapes that rented the least, and then you would just turn them into the used videos for sale, and then you would like start them at like right. ten bucks or whatever, and then drop them as they became more prolific, uh, and then you would yeah. end up making just straight up profit off of that because you've already rented it a hundred times and made all your money, so it's just straight up gravy, and that's just the way that it would there churn. Was- I remember there was a move in like 91, 92. We got these screeners that were testing this new feature, this great new feature you're going to love, mm-hmm. which is you watch the movie and it gets like a hundred plays and then it uh, erases itself or it dies. It oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That was the early DivX, yeah, yeah. the DVDs right. that would kind of, that would. Yeah. This is sort of the analog. Die. The analog version of that, which is okay. basically you you buy a movie and it it you know kills itself after a certain number of plays, like Mission and Impossible. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, so then the tape is significantly cheaper. Oh no, it's about the same. Well, then what the fuck is the value in that? Yeah. What? Who, who just, thinks that's a good idea? It's just goofy. The studio who wants to sell you another copy, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But then, Divix was a whole nother thing. I got, remember getting in an argument with haha, the guy at Circuit City, look where that landed him, about how this is <laughs> not a good idea. You know, that it's like I'm buying the player and the movie and you're gonna make me pay for it anytime I want to watch it? Fuck you. Right. Unless that disc is free, what's the point? Well ugh. I mean, yeah. It's just it was a whole other time. But I'll tell you like Brian, you never worked at a video store, right? You worked at the theater. I didn't, okay. and so I'm 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 thoroughly entertained just There's listening to you It's a piece of, of your you soul off. that's yeah. still in place, where for Chris and I, it's gone. Yeah, because it's yeah, because I gone and cauterized with cigars. Because yeah. I guarantee you, when you argue with the fifteenth person about the late fees that they claim never happened, uh, you just a piece of you dies. It's just fuck, man. It's two dollars. You you kept it four days overdue. Just admit it and let's move on. No, that's highway robbery, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And it's just, no, they the would best, get so irate. Oh. The best for me was the guy who, like, rushes in and, like, says, I need to, um, okay, check this in. I'm returning it. I'm returning it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And I return it on the machine. It's like, okay, so I got it in on time, right? No, mm-hmm. no, that is late. What? Well, then give me it back. I'll keep it for another day. Well, no, you can't take it back. It's been checked in. But I have another day. No, you don't have another day. It's been returned. And having to explain to them how <laughs> yeah. that works yeah. over and over, it's like, um, I'll tell you what, sir, you make your argument to me and you know, make a really sound, justifiable argument, and it won't change anything. But you go ahead and do that. Yeah. Well, it's them and the, the people that were so petty that they would deliberately not rewind the movie when they returned it just to be a dick and so you'd have the one guy off to the side with the stack of movies that had to go through the rewinder before you put it on the shelf that would take like an hour it was just such an obnoxious time such an obnoxious time oh my god Oh. oh god let's see i had fun with 
uh, as an employee, I don't. Yeah, it's the thing. This is probably a show that's supposed to tell people about as a consumer what it's like. But those people I want to walk off a very tall cliff. Right. Uh, I want to talk about having to work in these goddamn things. Oh, man. As, I can't believe it's taken us this long to do this episode. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it happens. Yeah. It happens. It's it's the, the Louis C.K. thing. I hope that you're, you, yeah, you fall off a cliff and Superman flies in and saves you and flies you up and drops you from higher. Yeah. That's, that's the way I feel about all the people <laughs> who used to go to fucking video stores. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would get like the arm load of new releases uh-huh. on uh, like a you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening, where everybody is just sort of crowding around the new releases like cockroaches around a pepperoni that fell on the floor. <laughs> and I go walking out with this arm load. Yeah, and they all are like following me. They won't ask me if I have a specific title. They, you know, they, they just want to follow me and see yeah. what I put on the wall. And the like, moment can- I put it on the wall, oh, 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 and they take it yeah. like the thing I just put on the thing. So I would like, and you arrange them alphabetically, right? So that you can go ABCD, get, get, get all this shit off of your arm fast. I would do it in, I don't know what you call it, but I would do it in order of A, Y, B, X, C, W and like so that I'm going back <laughs> and forth, but left and right yeah. and left the along, along, along the new releases. <laughs> so I've got all I'm the Pied Piper with all these rats following me around. Yeah, it was so <laughs> funny. I was like, somebody videotape this. God I mean, damn it, somebody did, get a camera. Did you ever somebody invent the cell phone and get footage of this yeah. shit because it's great. Did you ever do the bit where you would go up uh, with your handful of movies and you go to the new release wall and you grab the one off the top and then act like you were getting ready to put it back and then change your mind and actually go to the drama section to put the real movie back. <laughs> and people would get so deflated in front of you. It was amazing. Because uh, they would just God, hover. We should have traded notes. Yeah. We should have exchanged notes. I would have loved to have done that. Yeah, because on a busy week, like Friday <laughs> or Saturday night, they would hover around the drop box where the movies were coming in. They would hover around the counter where you would process that stuff. Or they would hover around the new release wall. Like, new releases were the yeah. only thing that mattered. And it was like, God damn it. And so we would literally just take turns, what we would call crop dusting. Like, you would grab an armful of movies, and you would just go up and down the aisles and just squeeze off a bunch of farts when you had to, <laughs> to just, you know, mess with people. And, like, you would just keep going. You wouldn't even acknowledge it. And then, like, people at the counter would just watch the reactions. I mean, it's just, that's how awful you would get. Because it was so- you were so sick of people. That was how you made your fun. Oh my god! Good times. Good times. I did not have anywhere near the testicular fortitude to fart on the customers. <laughs> I no, mean, you, you, you certainly win some kind of prize there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Good times. Oh, retail where they don't pay you enough to care yeah, at yeah. all. Yes, and that's where the fun begins. Yeah, that's that's where you get oh, true man. art. When you don't pay your employees enough or respect them enough, they will make their own fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially at so, Blockbuster, like they would make you watch these stupid training videos, and it was all about how to upsell people, like the various ways that you can just manufacture an upsell. Yeah. And it was like this. And I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm just like before you go any further. I. I have to assume you didn't get a cut of that either, did you? Oh fuck no! It's like, but they yeah. made. But they made you do it. And the video, the training video, had a character named, uh, what was it? Oh, Buster Sales. Who are you? The name's Buster. Buster Sales. I find people who need help, and I help them. And clearly, you need some help, especially with finding opportunities. I know an opportunity when I see it. 
Sure. Like the time Mrs. Harris's son, Brian, asked you out. And you turned him down to go to Jane Allworth's stupid slumber party. Shh, not so loud. God, his mother is right over there. And anyway, how was I supposed to know he was that hunk friend of Tyler's with the beautiful eyes? And the tickets to the Bon Jovi concert. I don't want to discuss that. Don't worry, she can't hear us. And it's a good thing. Last week you had an opportunity to rent Mrs. Harris a blockbuster VCP. Oh, while hers was being fixed? Yeah, but she doesn't need one now. She needed one last week. So? You had an opportunity to tell her about your rental units two weeks ago. Then she'd have known she could rent a VCP from Blockbuster when she needed one. Yeah, well, I could go tell her now. Good idea. Oh, and ask her how Brian's doing while you're at it. You might still have a chance with him. We'll talk more about opportunities later. And he would just show up on the in the in the movie the like the the whatever the the video. He would show up on the video screen, but he was only visible and heard by the girl working the floor, and he would basically berate her for not making the upsell, like suggesting a new movie or suggesting they buy the movie instead of renting it and suggesting this and suggesting that. And that was the blockbuster model, was just upsell, 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 which is why we would fart in the aisles, because we were just like, fuck this place. <laughs> you know, it's like, they're not going to do that. So that was always... There's something there that there's something in all of that that is that's the true part of capitalism. I want you to do all this shit for me, but I am absolutely yeah. not going to pay you for it. Well, and all right. So did did they did they track metrics on that because like that's what happens nowadays to like the GameStop employees. Yeah. If you go to GameStop, god first of all why, but Second of all, if you go there, they have this whole script of like various upsells that they have to read. Yeah, do you want a subscription to this? Do you want to join our membership probably program? Similar. You blah, blah, probably blah, blah, blah. similar, yeah. Yeah, but, but the thing is that they have metrics. They have quotas they have to hit, and it's measured, uh, and it matters well, to whether you get hours. You like, got, did they, were they that evil I mean, you, you got to understand that this was like 80s, 90s, so the, the technology wasn't quite there yet. I mean, we were like using light pens and just scanning them across barcodes, mm. and then you had your like login number when you were on the the register. Uh, so it wasn't that in depth, but you know it was more like the honor system. Like you know, here's here's ten gift cards. You have to sell all these by the end of your shift. That kind of nonsense. And so it was just bleh, who cares? So it was it really okay. it really took the joy. Uh, out of it because you hear all those stories like Tarantino and these guys that worked a video store, but they worked like the mom and pops where you the, there were no rules, and so you know they made it look sort of sexy. But when you get a job at a place like Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, it's like working at yeah, KFC. They homogenize man. it so that yeah. no one knows anything. No, one, you're just another idiot in a in a shirt. Yeah, you know, in a bad polo shirt. Yeah. Sure. Sure, because their turnover is absurd, yeah. and they just need to crank through your you like cattle. I got I gotta say one more thing about video stores as a consumer, and you know this is me, so here you know it's coming. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> God, it was nice to be able to rent a video game system that you could check it mm -hmm. out before you bought it. Yeah, yeah, like it was it was very hard to get them because the store would only get like two, and they were always out. But but if you if you didn't have a whatever an n64 and you had a place that you could rent one and then you could rent the games and you could check out the games and not have to invest you know 60 70 bucks in an in what's probably a piece yeah. of shit game right and well and get your fill um 
that those days are gone yeah. but man that was a I, good time I to still, be a gamer i still remember the weekend that i rented the store's uh uh nes and i was just like yay okay let's see what this shit's about and 10 minutes into it i'm like this fucking sucks yeah are you kidding <laughs> i mean i didn't People even get play this i didn't even get that far i mean i i was one of the people in the 80s that would rent the vcr and a couple of movies uh Ooh. because i didn't have the machine and it was like always like just your your run of the mill VCR, but it was always encased in this like plastic suitcase like thing, uh, with all of the <laughs> all the doodads, and you had to like plug in the the coax and stuff through the back hole in the case and whatnot. And it was just always this to do, but it was like you know eight bucks to rent the machine and then two dollars a movie, and that's that's a chunk of change when you're like fifteen. You know what I mean? And so it was just mm. ah. That might have been how I ended up getting a VCR as I was doing that. I, I can't remember. Uh, but yeah. I didn't actually have a VCR until like 1989. I think up in that point, I would rent it or I would go to my grandparents' house because they had one. And so it was just this weird deal. And I, like, and until I worked at Blockbuster, I had never set foot in one. And so I was always doing the mom and pop stuff because it was just you know the way you did it. But things changed in the 90s man and it became like a whole different deal and then they didn't move with the times and i think they just were so full of hubris that it just fucking killed their business when everything went streaming they're like oh we can buy netflix for 70 million dollars no that sounds like a fucking ripoff screw that and then you know four years later blockbuster's dead i laughed so yeah. hard there's a whole tried to do their own netflix there's a podcast I, called land of the giants that talks about the different tech companies there's a whole season of land of the giants that talks about netflix eating blockbusters lunch mm -hmm. and and how blockbuster you know decided to do blockbuster.com to compete with it and they tried this whole membership <laughs> and because the, they did they had so much invested in the retail stores yeah. that they had to find a way to not lose that investment or lose money in that investment they couldn't go all digital and so that was like tied to your account or whatever that you could also do the, like yeah. if you had the account, you get free rentals at the store and you could just bring them and you have to wait for the mail or some horse shit. Yeah. I don't you didn't know. You have but, to mail in your movies, you could return the them The end to result the of store which is that Netflix just canceled the Netflix produced show mm. about working at Blockbuster. Well, because it's not the real thing. It's the last Blockbuster. It's yeah. like, no, that's not, they needed to do a show about working in an actual Blockbuster in the heyday. That would have been better. Mm-hmm. But, ugh such a weird time with an like all the analog yeah, I, I liked the, the media like, do you do you remember the I first that for a while which one the blockbuster uh uh like netflix competitor i liked being able to turn them in at the store mm -hmm. yeah i i mean it was it was a good it was a pretty good deal and this is before netflix had any online streaming that yeah. was like almost a joke their online streaming oh, right service. yeah and then of course it became the whole thing yeah like i remember when uh when this has been like 06-ish, 07-ish when that started to filter in. And I realized that I could log into my Netflix account and then stream a movie. But you had to wait for the buffer. And you, if your router was stupid, then it wouldn't really work the best. Uh, and so it was always just disappointing. But then when they finally figured out how to do it over broadband and I had like a, uh, a thing set up at home. So this would have been like 2010. I think the, the the inaugural movie I watched on streaming was like G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra because I just didn't care. I wanted to see how it worked. <laughs> it's terrible. So, and, and that, 
that is analogous to what happened with music, right? With music, we went from vinyl to cassettes to CDs to MP3s. Back to vinyl. The transition wasn't necessarily about quality every time, although in the case of music, it kind of was. It's about convenience. And going from, I can only watch the movie in the theater, to I can wait like a year or two to see it on HBO, to I can just go to the video store six months afterwards and bring it home and watch it, to, oh, now it's a DVD and I can chapter skip and the quality's better, to, nah, I don't have to move my ass off the couch, I can just click buttons and get movies. It's about convenience. Always But the downside is that it's not really that convenient, because if you are a movie freak and you have very particular tastes, most of the stuff you want to watch is not going to be available. You know what I mean? Oh, should should we talk about the horror of uh you know the modern digital streaming service age and the fact that everything is rights management and you can't count on anything actually being there or not being re-edited? I mean, or or anything like that like they can just take things out, they can change it, you know, Take, take, you know, I'll, I'll fuck it, Star Wars, right? The original Star Wars. They've been trying to memory hole the 1977 version of Star Wars because George Lucas only wants the special editions to exist. Um, but, uh, but this is true of games. This is true of movies. This is true of Spotify. They can just, stuff that you like can just disappear. Hell, you can even buy movies, right? You could, you could go on, uh, Voodoo or Amazon Prime Video and pay and say, I have purchased this movies. Um, but that only works if the service is there. You've only bought a license to watch yeah. it. And that license can go poof on you if, uh, if they lose the rights to provide it. It's, but yeah. so, how often anyway. are you really going to watch that copy of Iron Man? I mean, I think Dude. if... If Disney does end up canceling all those purchases of, you know, Marvel movies, I'm probably not even going to notice because yeah. who gives a shit? Well, I know. They're I, 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 I look it. at it kind of like I've got uh, uh, a shelf full of DVDs that I never watch. And if the studio came mm-hmm. by and said, we need to pick up your copy of Fight Club, I'd probably be like, yeah, can you take a few of these? Because I need the space. Well, I, I mean, I, it's yeah. I don't think it matters. I mean, it's a it's a honey trap, really. It's like I've got all this media that I spent all this time and money collecting, and now it's just getting dusty on the shelf. But then, like, I get a hankering for something, and I'll go through and click, 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 click on the streaming stuff, and it's either not available anywhere, or I can find it someplace. But you got to spend like ten, twenty bucks to to rent it, and it's just like, no, screw this, screw this. Okay. Yeah. Another another thing we don't have time to discuss it. We'll have to do a part two on this show. Mm-hmm. But there, another <laughs> nice thing about, or funny thing, or interesting thing about the video store was that you had a slew of crap action movies yes. starring Cynthia Rothrock Hell yes. and Jeff Speakman and like <laughs> oh, all these okay direct to video <laughs> show yeah, yeah. all these yeah. nobody nobodies that did these these you know just fucking dumb movies that only existed because they knew. Whatever they put together, if they could slap it onto a thousand copies of, you know, uh, VHS plastic, stores across the country would buy a copy. Well, I mean, and then that would like pay for the dumb movie. So you make a ton of them. Well, that's. And now with streaming, now with streaming, you see a lot of the same thing, but it's by 
people shooting with a camcorder in their garage, and it's nowhere near as interesting. <laughs> so, so all you Wings Hauser fans, right. that's that's our foreshadow. Subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear that episode when we get around to making it. Point. Which, given how long it took us to make this episode, could be years. But subscribe anyway. Yeah. Hang in there with us. Listen to the show. Get involved. Write to us. Go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Find links to all the stupid ways you can reach us. I'm not going to read them off anymore. Nobody cares. <laughs> but, hey, rate us on iTunes and all that junk. Share it with your friends. And, and come back next week. And maybe next week will be the one about, about direct-to-video. Yeah. Maybe. And by the way, your movie's late. You owe us $10. <laughs> <laughs>